Hey, I'm Michael, online pastor at Silverdale Baptist Church, and I'm excited to welcome you to our podcast. Now, after you listen to this episode, I hope you'll stick around for just a moment. I'll be sharing about some resources we have for you, as well as a few things going on at Silverdale right now that we would love for you to be a part of. Now, I really hope this podcast is just what you need today to help you in your relationship with Jesus. Again, welcome to Silverdale Baptist Church. So good to see all of you here. I am Tony Walliser. I'm one of the pastors here at Silverdale, and I get the privilege of sharing with you God's Word. Our church has um, nine weekend worship services. Did you know that? But you are here. We are one body. Four locations, but we are one body in Jesus Christ. So I am so thankful you've chosen to be part of this church service today. I want to encourage you to do this. Take your Bibles and open up in the New Testament to a small letter written by the Apostle Paul, the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter 4. You can also take your smartphone, open that app to Colossians 4. And then do this as well. You have this little worship guide here. You can follow along and take notes on the outline that we have for you today. As you know, over the last few weeks, we've been studying about influence and how we are called as Christians to influence the world that's around us. Because it's a simple truth. Either the world is influencing you or you're influencing the world. Either you are a part of the crowd or you're a leader who's influencing others to Christ. And so over the last several weeks, we've been looking at how God has strategically placed you Almost like a a rock thrown into a pond that has this ripple effect. God wants the ripple effect of your life to touch other people's lives. Like who? Well, we saw that God uses you to touch the lives of your family members or your friends. And today we're going to talk about how God can use you as an influencer at work. God wants to use you to influence people to Christ at work. Here's a simple statistical reality. You will spend... 60% of your adult life at work. You go, oh, yeah, it's true. 60% of your adult life is going to be spent at work. That means that you will probably spend more time with your coworkers than you actually spend with your family. Now, does God want you to just go to work and draw a paycheck? No, God has a purpose and a plan for you there at work. God wants you to be a missionary at work. You go, I don't know, I understand that. Well, just like we have, you know, missionaries that we send to strategic places around the world, you know, third world countries to reach them, God has strategically placed you. I mean, think of it like this. I mean, as a pastor, my influence is limited. Really, it's limited to you and this church. But you, God has you strategically in places I could never go. God has you going to places like TVA or Volkswagen or, you know what, 
Hamilton County schools and influencing classes. God has you at Erlanger or maybe U.S. Express or thousands of other locations. God has you influencing people that are around you. I love this quote from former governor of Georgia, Sonny Perdue. He said this, quote, God knows how he made us. And he places us strategically where he needs his servants to make a difference. Just as our military has orders into specific locations, we've been dispatched into our work where God needs something done. Does something need to get done at your work? Well, God has strategically placed you there. You go, well, how do you do that? Well, the Apostle Paul in Colossians chapter 4 gives us specific ways. And so let's look at this passage together. It's found in Colossians chapter 4. Let's begin with verse 2. Look at what God's Word says. The Apostle Paul writes, Devote yourselves to prayer. Stay alert in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open a door to us for the Word. To speak the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains so that I may make it known as I should. Act wisely toward outsiders. Those are people that are outside the faith. Making the most of the time, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you should answer each person. Now the problem with a lot of us as Christians is we've compartmentalized our faith. We were like, okay, God is here at church on Sundays, but then what, you know, I do with God Monday through Friday, I don't really have a clue. There was a um, Christian accountant that was once asked, he said, okay, you're a Christian accountant, what's the difference between you and a non-Christian accountant? And he thought for a second and goes, well, um, I've got a Bible verse on my wall in my office, and I have uh, my Bible in my desk, Really? That's the only difference between a Christian and a non-Christian? A Bible verse on the wall? I hope there's more than that. Well, there is. So today I'm going to teach you how to take God to work with you. Now you may go, oh, that's a little freaky, right? Well, you know what? It doesn't have to be weird. It's not like you're going to be beating people over the head with a Bible or anything like that. Paul gives us practical, strategical ways of bringing God to work and being an influencer for God at work. And so I want you to jot down these basic principles. They're life changing if you'll do them. Number one is this. First of all, your preparation for work. Your preparation for work. You've got to prepare yourself before you get there. You know, what's real funny to me is that we will prepare in just about every area of our life, right? We plan about our vacations, or we'll plan other things that we do in our job, or we'll plan, okay, we've got to interview these people, or this job interview. We plan our budgets. We'll plan our meals. We plan our TV viewing. And yet... We don't seem to think about and plan, how can I share my faith with my coworkers? So the problem is, is because we don't plan ahead, when the opportunity comes, we often miss it. I love this quote from legendary basketball coach John Wooden. He said this, when opportunity comes, it's too late to prepare. And so how do you prepare yourself for your job every day? Two things. Number one, first of all, jot this down, prepare yourself spiritually. Prepare yourself spiritually. See, it's hard to give away what you don't have. If your relationship with God is real distant, you know what? It's not going to be all that appealing to people that you work with. So notice how Paul starts this passage off in verse 2. Check it out. Verse 2. Devote yourselves to what? Prayer. Stay alert in it with thanksgiving. In your outline, circle the word prayer there. See, that's the problem with many, many Christians. They rarely pray. 
In fact, USA Today, several years back, did a survey of American Christians, and they asked them how much time you actually spend in prayer. And amazingly, the one that really shocked me the most was that 38% of these Christians said that they rarely, if never, prayed. I'm like, what? You say that you have a relationship with God and you never talk to him? Well, if that's a definition of a relationship, I've got a relationship with all kinds of people, right? I mean, me and um, Governor Lee, woo, we are tight, you know? And me and Vice President Pence, woo, we're, he's my best bud. And, you know, oh, actors Hugh um, Jackman and Brad Pitt, I mean, they're my men. I mean, they're, we're my boys, right? I mean, we're close. Now, can I just tell you, I, I don't, I've never talked to those people, right? I would have an imaginary relationship with them. Well, some people have an imaginary relationship with God because they never talk to him in prayer. You go, well, how do you have a relationship with God? Well, it's pretty simple. You pray and you read the word. That's how you converse with God. You've heard me say this over and over again. Get in the word every day. I mean, start off your day, first 15 minutes, first 30 minutes, open up the Word, start reading it, pray, talk to God about what you're reading and what you're studying. It will be amazing how that will change the tone of your day, how spiritually you'll be ready for work. And whenever you get in your car driving to work, just turn off the radio. There's really nothing good on anyway. And just talk to God about your day. And you go... God, you know, i got to work with this obnoxious person, and she drives me crazy. Give me your grace for her, right? Or whatever that person may be. Or, God, help me, you know, work diligently. Help me work with excellence. God, help me shine for you. Help me to be gracious toward the people around me. God, I need you to come to work with me today. Because, look, every time you go to work, you're going into the lion's den, and you need God with you. So start off by preparing yourself in prayer. But you don't just pray for yourself. Jot down this second thing. Jot this down. Pray for your coworkers. Pray for your coworkers. Did you know that prayer is your secret weapon? I mean, I honestly do not believe anyone comes to faith unless somebody prays for them first. God uses your prayers supernaturally. Check it again how Paul puts this. Verse 3. Pray also for us that God may open a door to us for the word. Circle, God may open the door. I am so thankful we worship a God who opens doors. God will open doors at your workplace. He will if you pray for them. What I love is here's the Apostle Paul. He's in prison. He obviously has limited witnessing opportunities. And he's saying, will you pray for me that I will have open doors? Several years back, one of our church members came to me after the service, and and she said, you know, Pastor Tony, you you told us to pray for our coworkers and pray that God will put somebody on our heart. I said, yeah. She said, well, I did that this week. And the name that came to me was the most obnoxious woman I work with, and I said, oh, Lord, please, not her. Not her, Lord. And so, but her name just kept coming back, and so I just, I decided, okay, I'm just, I'm going to be praying for her. And I I decided I'm going to be especially kind and try to be gracious toward her. And she said, but this Thursday, I noticed that she was really sad. She wasn't talking much. And so I went over to her and I said, is everything okay? And she said, actually, no. Um, I was recently robbed. I mean, I had money in the car and it was stolen. It wasn't a lot, but it was money that I was going to use to buy my daughter a birthday gift. And she was just really sad. Well, our church member, she went out to her car. She got some money. It wasn't a lot, but she came to her coworker and said, you know what? I want to give you this. And she goes, no, 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 I can't take your money. And she goes, no, I really feel like the Lord wants me to give this to you. 
And she goes, it was an amazing thing that happened, Pastor Tony. I mean, suddenly we begin to converse about ways that we never talked before. I even prayed with her. What is that? That's a door of opportunity that God will give you. I mean, if you will pray, God, prepare my heart, and you pray for your coworkers, I'm telling you, God will answer those prayers. So it all starts with preparation. But it doesn't just end with preparation. you got to then live it out, which leads to the second principle. Jot this down. Your lifestyle at work. Your lifestyle at work. The primary way you're going to gain an audience and influence with your coworkers is how you're living your life out. You know, Mahatma Gandhi was once asked, well, why didn't you become a Christian? And this is what he said, quote, he says, I do not reject your Christ. I love your Christ. It's just that so many of you Christians are so unlike your Christ. That's the problem, isn't it? I mean, Barner Research, if you're not familiar, Barner Research is a Christian research firm. And so they always ask about spiritual things going on. And they wanted to see what was the difference between how Christians live their life out at work and non-Christians. And what was so sad is the statistical, there was hardly any statistical difference between cheating and lying at work. And when I read that, I'm like, what? Are are you kidding me? That that Christians and non-Christians basically at work act the same way? No wonder we're not changing our culture because we we act just like our culture. And, And so the Apostle Paul, he addresses this. And so there's a couple of ways of how do you shine, how do you live the Christian life out at work? Three ways, jot it down. First of all, you gotta be consistent with your actions. Be consistent with your actions. Now that doesn't mean you're perfect because none of us are. But we're seeking to be faithful. We're seeking to be consistent. And your consistency gives you credibility. Look how Paul puts this, verse 5. He says, act wisely toward outsiders. Again, outsiders, or those are individuals that are outside the faith. And Paul says, you know what? you got to act wisely. you got to live it out appropriately. Because your coworkers are looking at you. And they're wondering... Okay, is the person they profess to know, does it make any difference in their life right now? Is the person that they worship on Sunday make any difference in their life on Monday through Friday? In essence, they're wondering, does Christianity work? Does Christianity work in your marriage? Does Christianity work with a rebellious child? Does a Christianity work whenever a family member has cancer? Does Christianity work whenever there's stress and pressure at the job? They're wondering, they're looking, they're viewing. Does it really work in your life? And so what do you got to do? You said, God, give me the power to live this thing out. And so when everybody else is grumpy and belly aching and griping and complaining at work, don't join them. When that starts happening, pray, God, fill me with your spirit. Fill me with a joyful attitude. Fill me with thanksgiving. And I guarantee when everybody else is belly aching, you'll stand out. You will. And when everybody else is, you know what, bad-mouthing management or gossiping about each other, do not join in. Why? Because here's a simple principle. If somebody's willing to gossip to you, they're willing to gossip about you. And please, Don't post or share any off-color jokes or stories or, hey, look at this video I saw. It's so funny. I know you're trying to relate, but many times those off-color things, they just ruin your testimony. I mean, several years back, we had a young man that we were considering bringing on staff. And we were going through the interview process with him, and everything seemed to be good. And somebody just said, hey, you may just check out his social media. 
And so we checked out a couple things on social media, and I'm like, what are you thinking, man? I mean, how in the world would you post that kind of junk online? And it, why? Because it, it ruined his testimony. We didn't hire the guy, you know, because it ruined his testimony. I mean, look at what the Bible says. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 1 says this. A good name is to be more desired than great wealth. Your reputation is your most you know, valuable commodity. And it's going to be your reputation with which you will either gain the admiration or the disdain of your coworkers. And so Paul says, be consistent in your actions. Then the second way that we're going to shine for Christ at work is this. Jot this down. Be a hard worker. Be a hard worker. One of your greatest testimonies is a job well done. I mean, Christians should be the hardest working people in the workforce. It's a sin to be a lazy Christian, okay? Look how Paul puts this, verse 5. He says, act wisely toward outsiders, making the most of our time. See, so many people just goof off at work. They're like, okay, what's the least I have to do to get by, right? It's just a job. It doesn't mean anything. No, whenever you're goofing off at work, you're giving Jesus a bad name. You're giving him a bad testimony. In fact, you know, the Apostle Paul addressed this in a number of places. There obviously were some people in the church at Thessalonica that didn't like to work. And Paul said, you know what? You don't work, you shouldn't eat, you know? In fact, he writes this. I love this passage in 1 Thessalonians 4.11. Paul says this. He says, and work with your hands, just as I told you, so that your daily life, look at this, may win the respect of outsiders. How do you win the respect of people outside faith? How you work. Amazing, isn't it? Your work actually wins the respect of outsiders. You go, but I don't get it. It's a job. It's boring. I don't really like it. Well, you need to change your attitude about your job. You need to transform the way you view your work. Because if you will go to work and say, God, I'm working for you today. I may be employed by this company, but Jesus, you are my boss today. And you will work as unto the Lord. That's what the Bible says. You know what's going to happen? Your work is going to become an act of worship. Think about it. That whenever you work as unto the Lord, your work becomes an act of worship to God. That every day becomes a holy day. And all ground becomes sacred ground. You may go, you know what? I come and I worship God on Sundays and in the church. No, you can worship God Monday through Friday at your workplace. And it all depends on the attitude you have. God, I'm working as unto you. It changes the way you work. I love the way that one lady put it. She put it this way. She says, I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ, cleverly disguised as a hardworking administrative assistant. Work hard. That is the testimony you're to have. Go the extra mile. Bring your A game. And you're going to stand out. Why? Because we live among a generation of slackers. And you are called to be a hardworking Christian because you're working as unto the Lord. In fact, did you know that one of the seven deadly sins is laziness? May it never be said of you that you're a lazy Christian. And so, live it out. Be consistent. Work hard. Third way that you shine at work is this. Jot this down. Number three, be gracious with your words. Be gracious with your words. You see, people see Jesus in you in one of two ways. First is your actions. Second is with your words. Right? Because... What's going on in your heart comes out of your mouth. 
If you're an angry person, it's going to come out with angry words. If you're a bitter person, it's going to come out with bitter words. If you are crude or rude, it's going to come out in your speech. Notice again how Paul puts this in verse 6. Paul says, verse 6, Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt. And you're on, circle the word gracious there. That's what we're called to do, have gracious speech. Several months back, I got an email from a lady who was not a member of our church. And she said, I'm a co-worker of this person. And she named a person who was a member of our church, and I knew her. And um, she says, you know what? She brags about Silverdale and all that God's doing at Silverdale. And, and, you know, she talks about, you know, invites people to church and those kind of things. And she talks a lot about your church. But you need to know something. Nobody in our office will ever go to your church. Because she is so critical, she's so judgmental, she's so negative all the time. And that just broke my heart. And she wrote me, she says, I'm a Christian, I just want you to know she's ruining your church's testimony. Now, now, it broke my heart, not only because it ruined our church's testimony, but it ruined the testimony of Jesus Christ. I mean, Paul says that what? Your words need to match up what you say. I mean, you say that Jesus gives you peace, right? Then why do you keep losing your cool all the time? You say that Jesus is gracious, and yet you have, you know, you're hateful or you're unforgiving. Paul says, season your words with grace. That's the salt. I mean, think about it. What do we use salt for? We, we use it for flavoring, don't we? I, I mean, growing up, I'm a southern boy, and so I grew up eating grits. Man, I can eat grits for breakfast, lunch, dinner. I love grits. I just love grits. I do. And I can remember when I was in Texas, I wanted my friends in Texas to love grits as well. And so I fixed some grits one breakfast. We sat down. This guy put it in his mouth and go, this is wallpaper paste. (laughs) And I go, no, 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 man. You got to season them. You got to put some salt on them. You got to put some, you know, butter on them and that kind of stuff. And and I I tried to season it for him, and he did it again. This is wallpaper paste. Well, can I just tell you something? You and your words are wallpaper paste at work. And the only thing that transforms them is graceful words. That's it. Your gracious, grateful words create a thirst for Jesus Christ. And if you don't have it, you know what? You're going to be pushing people away from Jesus Christ. I mean, think about it. Who are the people at work that you want to hang out with? Who are those folks? Is it the grumpy people or is it the cheerful people? Is it the the negative folks or is it the optimistic positive people? It's it's probably the helpful people that are helping you out or maybe the sympathetic person. Listen, this isn't rocket science. If you want people to like you, like them. Be kind to them, love them, be gracious to them, encourage them, right? I mean, that's how it's done. If you are gracious and kind and encouraging to people, you know what? That's going to attract you to people, and they're going to go, wow, I want to know more about this person. And so that's how we live this faith out at work, Paul says. So you prepare yourself spiritually, and then you live it out the best that you can, But then comes the final thing. Number three is this. Number three is this, your witness at work. Your witness at work. When God gives you an opportunity, what do you got to do? You got to take it. (laughs) God gives you an open door, you got to share. Why? Because God wants to use you as a missionary to influence others to the kingdom. Because, again, think about it. 
what, what are you going to get to bring to heaven with you? Are you bringing your job to heaven with you? Are you bringing your portfolio to heaven with you? Are you going to you know, bring that, that complex or whatever it is that you're managing? Are you bringing any of that? Are you bringing your home, your car? No, the only thing you get to bring to heaven with you is people. And so God wants to use you to impact eternity, and he does that very gently through the influence you have on the people around you. I want you to hear a story from a testimony of one of our worship leaders at um, two of our campuses. And I want you to hear how the influence of somebody influenced him to Christ. Listen to Taylor Smith's story. Yeah, so eight years ago, my life consisted of waking up as late as possible, playing video games, and looking toward that night where I get to get with my buddies and drink. And those are the people I was really looking up to, is the people who were living for the party and doing as little as possible to get by. My best friend at the time was Jeff Berry, and uh, he was right there with me. He was a guy that I looked up to, and um, suddenly his life began to change. And... He started asking me about Jesus. He started inviting me to church. He just wouldn't stop. God had transformed him totally, and I have all these excuses. Really, the main one is, I gotta work, man, I'm sorry. I gotta shift it off garden, I'm sorry. And he keeps hounding, keeps pressing, and he's like, finally, what'll it take, man? I'm like, well, to give my shift up, I would need about 80, 100 bucks. So Jeff gives me $100 to come to church with him. <laughs> and I'm just thinking, man, if more people pay me to come to church, I may come. I just remember coming in and, you know, you're feeling uncomfortable. Things are a little weird, church the first time in a while. And uh, I remember Travis saying things like bro and dude, speaking my language. And that was something that broke through a barrier for me. For the next month and a half, I wrestled with God. And it was, it came to a close at one night. I was pulling into my driveway and I just remember um, tears coming out and I'm, I'm feeling the presence of God pressing on me. And I finally just cry out to him and say, I need you, God. At that moment, my life pretty much took a 180 and uh, I am passionately living for Christ at this, at this point. And, uh, you know, the people at work that I'm, that I'm with, they start to recognize that. And, uh, they start asking questions. They start wondering what's going on when I'm not drinking at the party that I come to. And I start telling them. I share Jesus with them. I'm inviting them to church. And uh, I remember the one person that it really stuck with was a friend of mine who was going through a rough time. She was dealing with, uh, her mom had an illness and she ended up actually passing away. And um, I just remember having so many conversations with her after work, like sitting at a table and she's asking all these questions, and I'm realizing God is doing something, like God's working on her. And um, she ends up coming to the pit with me, and that led to her salvation eventually. And the amazing thing is, through God's work in her, her boyfriend actually moved out of her house, and he was, uh, at that time, messing around with drugs, and, and God actually saved him too, and so they have a, a brand new family because of that. It's crazy, because for years, I was influenced to do all the wrong things by my friends. And now I'm at a place where all the people around me are encouraging and uplifting me. And I get the chance every week to lead people in worship 
and point them towards Jesus. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, praise the Lord. It's amazing. A friend influences him to Christ. He starts influencing co-workers to Christ. And now Taylor, he leads our Saturday night service and our St. Elmo campus in worship. That is the power of influence. That's the power of your influence. You just do not know how God can radically change somebody's life. That's the power of your influence. The late Billy Graham, before he died, he, he made an unusual statement. He said, I really believe that the next revival in America, it's not going to happen in stadiums. It's probably not even going to happen in the church. It's going to happen in workplaces when Christians learn to share their faith with their coworkers and their customers. Oh, may God really bring that about to be true. So how, how do we witness at our workplace? Two things. Number one, first of all, you need to seize the opportunities. Seize the opportunities, right? I mean, you've been, you've been praying for them. You've been trying to live Christ out on your workplace. And then whenever the opportunities come, you just seize them. Again, that's what Paul says in his passage. Look at it again, verse 3. Paul says, pray also for us that God may open a door for us for the word. So you don't have to pry these doors open. God opens the doors. You just need to pray, and then you consistently live. Look at it, verse 5. Act wisely toward outsiders, making the most of your time. And then what happens? God's going to give you the opportunity. And what do you need to do? Look at it again. Verse 6. So that you may know how you should answer each person. God's going to give you these opportunities. And whenever those opportunities come, you need to seize the day. You know... Whenever you come to church, I mean, come go to work, you don't need to be this secret agent Christian. No, no. I mean, that doesn't mean you press, you know, run over people with Jesus and beat people over the head. But you know what? God's going to give you opportunities. If you're praying for them and you're loving them, opportunities will come. And when they do, seize them. I've shared before that whenever I was working my way through college, I sold new Chevy trucks. And, um, the, the, you know, Everybody that I worked with um, were, were unbelievers. They were lost. They, they were lost not because they were salesmen. They were just lost, okay? And so, um, but I remember I tried to live my faith out in front of them and love those guys. And there was one particular salesman. His name was Charlie. And um, Charlie was a Vietnam vet, and he was real cynical about God and about faith and Christians. And so I really especially tried to love and encourage Charlie. And, and he had a delivery of a truck on his day off. And I said, I'll be glad to do it for you. Now, at that, it was customary at that truck lot that whenever you would deliver, you know, somebody's vehicle for them, you would get a portion of the commission. And so he said, well, how much do you want for the delivery? And I said, you know what, Charlie? It didn't take much time at all. No problem at all. Don't worry about it. That little act of kindness just went a long ways with him. Well, it was one night, it was raining really bad, and we didn't have any customers on the floor, and so and Charlie comes and sits at my desk, and he says, Tony, tell me, why do you want to become a minister? And I said, well, Charlie, let me share with you my story, and he goes, hang on, time out. And he turns around and says, hey, everybody, Tony's going to tell me why he wants to be a minister. And next thing I know, I have five of my coworkers right in front of my desk. And for the next hour, I was able to share the entire story of my faith, of how I'd come to Christ, and I'm answering their questions, and eventually one of those guys come to faith themselves. And I look at all that, and that was a God opportunity. I couldn't create that. God did that. 
And it's the same with you. God's going to give you those opportunities. You don't have to answer every theological question somebody's going to have. You don't have to worry about that. All you got to do is share your story and point them to Jesus because he's the answer to everybody's need. In fact, that's the final point. Jot this down. Point people to Jesus. Point people to Jesus. See, your coworkers, they are looking at you. So point them to Jesus. They go, you know, you get chewed out by your boss, and they go, man, how did you keep your cool? Point them to Jesus. Your spouse has cancer, and they go, man, you seem to have hope and peace. You point them to Jesus. You know, they get hurt by somebody, and you're a Christian. How do you forgive somebody that hurts you so bad? You, you point them to Jesus. God's going to give you those doors of opportunity. And when you get them, don't be ashamed of Jesus. Say, it's because of my faith. It's because of Jesus. Look at how Paul puts this. Verse 3. Pray also for us to speak the mystery of who? Of Christ, that I may make it known as I should. In your outline, circle the word Christ there. God's called you to be a missionary in the workplace. Now, he's the one who does it. He's the one that saves people, convicts people. He's the one that gives you these doors of opportunities. And if you've been praying for them, and you've been preparing yourself, and you've been loving them in Jesus' name, you know what? Those opportunities are going to come. You know, how do you know those opportunities are going to come? Because we all have the same messes in life. Everybody has marriage problems and financial problems and rebellious kid problems. We all have the same hurts and hang-ups. Everybody. And so when they observe your life, they're going to want to know the difference. And you point them to Jesus. You share your story. Or you know what? You, you, you may give them a good Christian book and say, hey, this may help in your marriage. Or maybe it's a sermon series. You go, hey, I think you'd be interested in this new sermon series we're going to have at church. Did you know that in two weeks, you have a tremendous opportunity to do that? In two weeks is Easter weekend. Think about it. Easter. It's the biggest event in our church calendar. Easter. We're going to have 11 weekend worship services for Easter. And you know what? Statistically, it says that if you invite somebody to be with your guest at Easter, 75% of people will say yes to an invitation like that. And so what we've done is we've printed these little invite cards. We printed 10,000 of them. Why? So you can go out in the atrium and grab a few and say, you know what? I'm going to invite my friends, my coworkers, my, my neighbors, my, my family, and just say, hey, you know, I'd love for you to come to one of the Easter services with me. And whichever one they choose, be with them at that one. Uh, you know, I've been praying a lot for our Easter service and, and preparing for it. And Easter is always amazing at Silverdale. But this year, I believe God is going to save hundreds of people. How do I know that? Because his word is powerful. The gospel changes lives. As you've been praying for people, if you be, will invite your one, I know God will radically meet with them and change them. But you've got to do your work. You've got to say, okay, God's put me in a position of influence. I've got to choose to use that influence for Jesus Christ. Do that this week and watch God change eternity through your influence. Well, I hope this was helpful to you. If while listening, you realized you need to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to help you with that. You can connect with us by clicking the link in the show notes to our website and then clicking the connect card button. In our weekend worship services, we are in a sermon series called The Seven Commands of Christ. Jesus gave dozens of commands, and as followers of Jesus, we should obey all of them. 
Over the next several weeks, we are focusing on seven that will change your life. We would love for you to join each week at one of our campuses, or you can attend online. You will find service times by clicking the link in the show notes to our website. You know, there's so many ways for you to get involved and be a part of what God is doing here at Silverdale, and we really want you to feel welcome and a part. So please stay connected. Be sure to like and follow us on the different social media accounts. You'll find all the links in the show notes of this episode. And lastly, help us spread the word about this podcast. Take a moment to share this episode with your family and friends. Again, we appreciate you listening and hope you will join us again next time.